Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the second update episode of The Ilona Effect. We haven't posted a new episode in a couple of months, and that is due to the fact that a lot of things have transpired as far as DNA and sheriff's reports and milestone birthdays and quitting jobs. In the first update episode, we were talking about two major things that I was trying to get some information about. Number one was my grandfather's suicide that happened in the 80s. My mother and I discussed the suicide in a previous episode, and this is what was discussed. Grandma said the police were looking like at her like she had done something. Yeah, if I remember correctly, they made it a crime scene because it didn't seem like what happened could have been done alone, if I remember correctly. And I do remember one of the neighbors, I can't remember what neighbor, it was a lady, and she had come by to say sorry, you know, maybe a week or so later, maybe maybe a month later, I don't Mm -hmm. remember. But she said that her and her husband were on a walk that night and they thought that they had seen something going on in there. Because it was that little side, it was a little side garage built on where they had the washer and dryer and there was light out there. Um, But I feel like they treated it as a, a crime scene, not not just like somebody committed suicide. So. Do you think that maybe she helped him or do you think maybe he paid somebody to come in and help him or? I don't know. But I, I feel like with as many different things being said about it, something happened. I don't think somebody was, I don't think somebody was trying to hurt him, but I feel like he was trying, obviously he was trying to cut his wrists open. Right. And maybe he couldn't do it by himself. And maybe somebody helped them. You think Grandma did? I don't know. I never really thought about it till now. Me either. But she goes, they were looking at me like I did something. Yeah. Well, it is kind of, you know, this is all, I'm, this is all brand new to me talking about this. But I, it is strange that... Like, did she go out there in the middle of the night to see what That's was what happening? No, I didn't know till now it was the middle of the night. I thought it was in the morning because I didn't get called until like, I'd say like 10, 11 o'clock, mm. maybe even noon. Hmm. No wonder if Ruby had something to do with it. I don't know. Well, she lived down the street. She was a nut. I, you know, now that I we're talking about it, I would like to maybe see the police record because I don't remember what time it was, but I do remember it was, I feel like two in the morning, like late, like, but then again, I don't know. I don't remember what time we went to bed and I don't remember what time that was because after we had talked to the police, I went back, we went back to bed and I didn't check the time. So maybe it was, maybe it was four you know, I don't know. Maybe that was still dark. I don't know what time it was. I would like to know that. Well, the public can get those records. Yeah. 
So after making the request with the sheriff's department for the sheriff's report of my grandfather's suicide, it took about four months to finally receive something in the mail, and it was the full report of what had happened that night and that morning of his suicide. It is a long report, pretty graphic, and at some point I need to find out if it's okay for me to do this, but I want to read the sheriff's report as an episode. So I need to make sure that that's all legal. So that was a big deal. After reading that, I received it probably a week before my birthday, read through that, sent a copy of it to my sister, Angela, and reliving that day and that night was pretty... It was a complete flashback to when I was 13, 14 years old. And to have all those feelings and images brought back up was, it took a lot out of me to relive it. And then to read the things that I had no clue about and some of the the details and the gory details. And it was quite a lot to process. So that was one thing that that happened that over the last two months that I really needed to take a step back, process all of that information. And then as I was processing that information and I had time to take, to distance myself from this podcast, to reflect on everything, listening to previous episodes and remembering all the things that my mom told me that also took a lot to to digest. There's a lot, a lot of things there that I just never knew before and never, I didn't know how much of a toll it was going to take. I was named after this piano player named Ilona. I've always been attracted to the dark, shady part of life ever since I was like 12 years old, and I don't know why. When you were 12, you ran away to San Francisco, right? Right. I remember knocking on the door saying, please help me. She used to always tease me and do mean things to me. I wake up and I'm chained to this cement slab-like thing with this hardened plastic mattress and the whole room's like cement. And I'm chained to the damn bed and I'm gonna die here. When I got stabbed and almost died and had a punctured lung, because from all rights, I should be dead. Or maybe it was just another family secret. So, hence, took a slight hiatus Uh, to process all of this. So the other huge part of, of taking a break was my DNA finally came back from Ancestry.com. In the previous update, I explained the process and everything that goes on with, with Ancestry and getting DNA results back. So finally got my second test results back 
after three and a half months of brutal waiting. And as soon as they came back, I logged on to my Ancestry app. And lo and behold, my biological father had been in that database and he popped up along with one of my new half-sisters, which there are two. So that in itself was probably one of the biggest things in my life besides having my children. I never ever thought was gonna happen. And to make it even more complicated, eight years prior, and I explained this, we talked about this in an earlier episode, Eight years prior to this, I had thought that I had found my biological father and his side of the family based on the conversation I had with my mom. So from that point, that was the first time, right? So you're 13. And then when you're with my biological father, you're 15 and a half. So that's like two and a half years in between, right? Now, the thing with this, Jason, is when I found out when I was pregnant by the calendar and stuff. Right. So we're going to go back to Grandma's calendar. Yeah. Your mom's. Now, I was I was running around, doing a lot of stuff, doing a lot of drugs, sleeping around. And um, so when I found out I was pregnant, you know, I had a... I mean, I wasn't in a relationship with anybody, so I had to think long and hard about who I'd been with. And who I came up with was John Davis. And um, How many other people do you think there were? I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe, Ballpark. Maybe two more. Um, maybe, but he's the only one I could remember. So the, uh, so when you're with other people, are you just, you're stoned and drunk and out of sorts and just having sex and not, is that what, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Now you, you can't remember cause you don't know who it was or when it was or. No, the only one I could think of was him. Right. But there are other people. There might have been. I'm not sure. So you don't know. So that's why I'm not 100. I'd say I'm 90% sure. Right. That, um, and especially when you were born, you looked like him. You had the blonde hair and the blue eyes, and you looked like him. Hmm. So, but it's not 100%. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword, because I did think I found them when she told me that she wasn't sure. I immediately went and did the DNA testing because I I had to know. And now that I've got the actual results and I've actually found my biological father who is alive, who is somebody I have been communicating with since that time, I don't even know how to explain it. I thought I found my father who had passed away, so I didn't get a chance to meet him, but I found my father's side of the family. Eight years later, that carpet was yanked out from under me, did the test, found my actual father, 
and his family and my two half-sisters. It's just a lot to take in. This is something I never in my life thought would happen. Well, I hoped it had, would happen. And I thought that that was all taken care of eight years ago. And the fact that I would never meet my father was was my truth. And it was something that I accepted and and just went on with my life from there. And then doing this whole interviewing with my mother has brought up so many different things. And then it also brings up the truth of who my biological father was. And the truth is she didn't know. And after talking to my biological father, he doesn't remember. So both of my parents don't remember (laughs) each other doing anything, you know, and here I am. So maybe, maybe I'm, I don't know. So now not only do I have the new police the new sheriff's report information that I processed. Now I'm processing having a biological father. So to give you an update of how that all went down. So, so when I started and from the time I got the, from the time I started till I got the results was three and a half months. The results came back. I was shocked I was excited. I was scared. I was like, okay, here he is. He's alive. He exists. I found him. It's a 51% DNA match. There's no, there's no confusion. It's real. So I figured, well, I guess I better contact him. I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. It's like, Hey, guess what? You have a dad and a sister. Now what? Okay, well, I'm going to contact them through the app because that's the only way I I could. So I immediately went into the Ancestry.com app and sent a message. And the message, what do you say to your biological father that it took you 50 years to find without scaring them off? (laughs) So... My message was very robotic. I didn't know about it. I didn't think about it at the time, but I was beyond nervous. It's like, here I go. I'm sending my father a message for the first time in my life. And it went something like, hello, I am new to ancestry.com. I just got my DNA results back and it looks like we are related and that you are possibly my biological father. I would love to contact you and get in touch with you. Here is my phone number. (laughs) That was pretty much it. So I can only imagine somebody, if I put myself in his shoes, you know, I'm on this DNA ancestry website. I get a message that reads like that. It's like, okay, that's a robot. That's total spam. Now, what the heck do I do? So... I showed the message to my wife and she said that wasn't very personal. So maybe you should, uh, you know, rewrite it because I didn't hear anything for a couple days. So I then went back in and I sent that message to my sister as well. My, my half sister that I had just found and I didn't get any reply, which rightfully so I probably shouldn't because it sounded horrible. Um, so I sent the new one 
explaining, I apologize for my first message. I know it wasn't very personable, but my name is Jason. I am an actual person. I live in the city I live in. I've been talking to a cousin that I found on, on your side of the family. Please feel free to contact me. Here's my phone number. Gave a few more personal details to make it less spammy. And a couple days later, or maybe the next day, I got a text from him saying that he and his wife were going to give me a call. And that's what happened. So they called me a couple days later. So another, another way to look at this also is I've known that I have a biological father out there. I've known that, you know, my entire life. And since I was probably between 16 and 21 searching for this person. So let's call that 30 years of searching and knowing. On the flip side, my biological father's side of the family has no clue that I exist, have ever existed, and they get that message, and it's like, okay, now I've known, <laughs> he's known that I exist for like one day, and I've known for, you know, 30 plus years. So I can't even imagine what that was like. So I receive a phone call from my father and his wife, and they are skeptical still, which they totally have that right. Because I know that I would have been as well if I received that message via Ancestry's message app. So we talked on the phone probably for an hour and it was a really great phone call. Uh, come to find out he lives about f five hours away from where I live in Northern California. And we discussed who my mom was, where she lived, where he lived at the time. So we discussed a lot of different things as far as where I grew up, where he grew up, where he lived at the time when I was born. We talked about my mom, who she was, where she lived, to see if that would jog any memories, but he didn't remember anything about it. And then talking to my mom after talking to them, she still doesn't remember anything, even after seeing pictures. So I guess that goes to show what a good time people were having in 1970. And I'm not saying that in a bad way or negative way. I'm just saying that's what was going on and I get it. So, and I'm the byproduct of it. So I'm not mad. I am beyond ecstatic actually find my biological father. So after talking, we decided to do, cause this was all still during, this was just a few months ago. This was during the pandemic and nobody was really going anywhere or, or meeting up. So my sister, my new sister set up a zoom meeting, which was really cool where we all met via zoom, not ideal, but it was, you know, it was a great start because we were forced to do it that way. And I think it also was an easier way to ease into it because 
it was a very nervous time for me and I'm sure it was a very strange time for them finding out about me. And so we did the Zoom call. We all talked, I don't know, an hour, two hours or so, and it was really cool. Um, his side of the family is really, really nice, very accepting people. I am really lucky that it turned out that, they, that they're good people. You know, it could have been, who knows what it could have been. It could have been, you know, some some guy who was in prison or who knows. So a month or so after the Zoom meeting, we decided that we would meet in person. So, and just by chance, my biological father's wife has children who live near where I live. So they were coming out to visit them anyway. And so we met up for lunch in Folsom, California, and it was very surreal to actually see the human form of my father. And so about a month after we met, I found out that by a strange coincidence that he and his wife were in the process of looking for houses to move and just happens to be 20 minutes away from where I live. So I just think things happen for reasons. I think coincidences, I don't know how to explain it, but it just seems like everything is happening for a reason. This podcast happened because I wanted to find out about myself as a child, my mother and her life, who my father was. After a couple of months, the truth came out. A couple months after that, I actually found him. A couple of months after that, he's moving about 20 minutes away from my house. And this is all happening so fast. It was, it's just so much to take in. I really had to take a step back, look at all of it, process all of it, try to understand all of it. That is where we are now. Biological father found. Crazy. Never thought that would happen. And now part of me thinks that was a a big part of my purpose is to find him. And now that that's done, what's my next purpose? And maybe my next purpose is to have the relationship with him that I never had. I'm sure that's what it is. It's just still, it's still very surreal. Second part found or finally got the information from the sheriff's department going to check if it is okay for me to read the entire police report. And if I even want to do it, it's pretty, some of it's really graphic. And that is all the information that I found over the last few months. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ilona Effect. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support us, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at The Ilona Effect. Our email address is theilonaeffect at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.